Welcome to my podcast, Evan Makovsky's Business Podcast. It's been given an official name, and I want to welcome to this episode John Margaritas. The man is extremely accomplished. He currently leads John P. Margaritas and Associates. He has a vast list of accomplishments as an entrepreneur, senior executive, and board member with more than 40 years of success across the PR, utilities, consumer, luxury products, retail energy, and pharma industries. He has provided consulting services to clients in nearly every business sector. Throughout his career, John has held leadership positions with, of course, John P. Margaritas and Associates, PSEMG, Ogilvy PR Worldwide, Fleischmann Hillard, Burson Marsteller, Firebrand Financial Group, and more. John, after all of those introductions, let me say hello to you. How are you today? I'm good, Evan. How are you? It's great to be here. I'm doing just fine. Let's uh, get right into it. It's a pleasure to talk with somebody who's so accomplished and worked across so many sectors. Currently, you are running your own consultancy. Can you explain the value add and services you could bring to a potential client in 2022 based off your experience? Sure. I think the value added from my perspective is to provide an outside view to situations that in-house staff is often too close and or personally vested to see. With that said, um, I very much value the observations and opinions of in-house staff and use that knowledge and my outside perspective to bring a different view in solving problems. Crisis communications, John, and emergency situations is not only a swim lane for you, it's a sweet spot. Right now with COVID, the world, including the business world, is changing by the moment. We hope for the better, but who knows, and things get turned around in each and every way as the news breaks every day. For example, a new variant like Omicron comes out and companies have to rework their work from home situations or their bring back situations on the fly. That's just one example among many in today's constantly changing fluid environment. Fill the listeners in on how you can be of aid to companies that are getting constant curveballs with no playbook how to deal with it. You help devise corporate strategies, but with COVID, these strategies must be, I'd assume, must be adjustable. Can you expound on this topic, applying your expertise? Sure. The biggest problem, from my perspective, with COVID and corporations is the ability to communicate internally effectively. The curveball that keeps coming is, are we bringing our staff into work? Are we not bringing them into work? If they're working from home, how do we get everybody on the same page? This is particularly important in crisis situations where you need one voice. And it's very, very difficult for corporations with COVID and and their staff spread out to get that one voice. The, the biggest problem companies face when they're in a crisis is the instinct for a knee-jerk reaction. Crisis situations, believe it or not, are basically simple. 
a corporation has to determine immediately, are they the culprit or are they the victim? And let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, most people in our business know the Tylenol case history from years ago where Tylenol product was tampered with and six people died because the product was poisoned. Now, it was very easy to make Tylenol the culprit. It was their product, after all, that killed people. But they didn't kill people. Somebody tampered with the product. And their reaction to that case became the template for almost every other successful crisis handling. They went out and recalled all the product at great expense and devised tamper-proof packaging. That was their solution. And in any crisis situation, the deal is find out the facts, get the information out quickly, come up with a solution and execute that solution. Um, what makes it more difficult now is how do you get everybody on the same page? In the Tylenol situation, their CEO, Burke, took the reins and became the lead spokesperson. And everything funneled through him. I was fortunate at that time to work for Burson Marsteller, who served as their outside counsel and helped develop all those communications. Uh, Harold Burson and uh, Jim Dowling and, and Al Tortorella were the leads on that. And I learned a whole host of solutions by watching and, and being on the sidelines as that whole situation played out. And I've used that in almost every situation. Years ago, corp uh, PR agencies used to come up with these really big binders of how to deal with a crisis. When you're in a crisis, you don't have time to go through the binder and see, oh, uh, do we do this, do we do that? It's simple. What's the crisis? What caused it? How do we solve it? And if you're to blame, take the blame and write it out. Um, the biggest problem with situations like that are usually the lawyers who, in their effort to do their jobs, which is to protect the company, are reluctant to communicate. The skill of an outside person is to get the lawyers to see that there is a need to communicate, that you can't be quiet because when you're quiet, the blanks get filled in with situations that are far worse than the crisis usually is. Talking with John Margaritas, he is a accomplished, accomplished man, 40 years across a multitude of verticals. He currently runs John P. Margaritas and Associates. You just referred to Burson Marsteller. You've worked for Ogilvy PR Worldwide. Burson Marsteller, by the way, is now Burson Cohn and Wolf. You mentioned Fleischman Hillard and others. Many companies have internal PR communications slash marketing divisions in 2022. Many don't use agencies or consultants, while many others still do. Tell the listeners why having an objective third party, which you touched on a bit earlier, whether a major agency or a consultant like yourself is still necessary and beneficial in 2022, because I have heard from internal people on the other side that have their own internal communications departments that an outside agency or consultant doesn't know our inner workings like we do. 
So why should we hire somebody who doesn't know as much about us as we do about ourselves? Now, you, you hit on the, and I think you're going to go there with this, the objective third-party set of eyes and kind of seeing outside of your biases, but take it away. Sure. Outside counsel is often the catalyst and a means for thinking outside the box without the constraints of corporate policy. Outsiders can propose solutions that sometimes are overlooked because of the culture. These solutions can then be molded to fit the corporate goals and needs. As an outsider, we can see things that insiders often overlook as, oh, we can't do that because we've never done that. Well, maybe you can't, but here's a solution. Now, how do we fit it into your corporate culture so that we're not violating what you're all about, but can still formulate a solution to a problem that you might not have seen as a possible solution because of those constraints? It's a give and take, and there's nothing I value more than the corporation's internal staff and their ability to direct, hey, here's what we're about. You're absolutely correct when you say an outsider doesn't know the inner workings of a corporation, but the corporation often doesn't see outside influences the way an outsider can and how to direct those to form the solutions. You represented John, the owners, during the 94 Major League Baseball strike, and feel free to touch on that. But also coming present, can you give me a Cliff Notes case study and a compressed answer of some of the best client work and experiences you've done? Let me start with Major League Baseball. We were, we were hired by the owners, and the owners started that whole thing with a lockout, just like we're looking at today. And when they couldn't reach an agreement with the Players Association, the players then went on strike. All the owners wanted to do was get baseball back on the field. All the players wanted to do, they wanted to play, obviously, but they wanted a contract with the owners that was to their benefit. Once that was settled, nobody thought about the audience. The audience is the fans. The owners and the players felt, well, we've got baseball back. The fans will be fine. Um, when we looked at the situation, we said, what are you going to do for the fans besides put the product back on the field? Don't you owe them something since they pay your salaries and they pay for everything? And our suggestion was, I don't know if, if people remember back then, back in 94 and before, when a, a ball was hit, in foul territory and went to the ball boy or ball girl on the sidelines, they would put it in a bag to be reused. Our suggestion was don't do that. Hand it to a kid in the stands. The goodwill of doing something like that far outweighs the cost of a baseball. And that's when it was adopted that every time there was a foul ball that went to the ball boy or ball girl, it now went to a fan. Every time a third out was made, as the players came off the field, instead of flipping it to the mound to be used in the next inning, they flipped it into the stands. The goodwill was tremendous. Um, when I look at that, the outsider's ability to see the effect 
of a corporation or in this case, Major League Baseball's actions on the audience is the value that's brought. Um, when I was at Ogilvy, uh, we represented a company then called Burroughs Welcome, which was since acquired by Glaxo. But they came out, Burroughs Welcome came out with the first AIDS drug, AZT. And you would think the reaction would be all positive. Well, it led to a boycott of all of Burroughs Welcome's over-the-counter products because of the pricing of the drug. And our view was lower the pricing, be the friend of the patient, not this big corporation just looking to make money. And we negotiated with Amfar and made a $1 million contribution, lowered the price of the drug, and it became a billion dollar seller for AZT and people affected by AIDS were now able to afford the drug. You have to look at who you want to communicate with and what you want the outcome to be. John, you have so many accomplishments, putting humble in the drawer for a second. What makes John Margarita such a success when it comes to personal attributes, client service? What traits about yourself do you credit your incredible success to? I, I think they're, they're simple, empathy and experience. I try to put myself in the position of the audience and simultaneously the client. And my question always to the client is, what do you want to have happen? And then navigate to that solution. At PSE&G, for example, our goal was to upgrade an infrastructure to deliver electric power. In order to do that, we had to reconstruct our entire transmission grid, which meant taking out old lines and putting in new ones, going right through towns, disrupting operations. How do you do that when the public is thinking, oh, well, you're just doing this to make money? We're not. Uh, we're doing this to improve the quality of the service. And getting the public to see that the disruption was temporary, but the solution was permanent, was the skill that was involved. So representing the client was easy. Hey, we're putting in a better product. Representing the public who had poles right in their streets that were coming out and bigger poles were put, being put in, how do you get the politicians to go along? How do you get the public to go along? And we did it by one-on-one -on -one communications, one step at a time, town by town, and giving back to the community. Our, our goal was seeing both sides and getting them to merge in the middle. John, we're going to post this, obviously, on social media. People can reach out to you and message you on LinkedIn. Why don't you give everybody, uh, how can they best get in touch with you and you, you've have so much experience. Of, I assume there's a, a lot of different kinds of work you're open to, but let me let you fill in the blanks how people can reach you and if there's any specifics around the kind of work that uh, you can add value to. Any issue affecting a corporate reputation and public perceptions of corporations, that's where I like to get involved. Um, with agencies, I've had a lot of experience in turnarounds, 
with Burson in the, the LA office, uh, with Ogilvy putting it under one brand name when it had a whole slew of brand names. Uh, agencies can reach out to me when they have a an office that's a problem or a practice that's a problem and an outside perspective that's had that experience, I can bring value. Um, with corporations, any crisis issue, anything affecting their reputation. And the best way to reach me is either through LinkedIn or directly by email at jmargarita77 at gmail.com or by phone, 917-562-1393. I'm available 24-7. Uh, when you work in an agency, you're always available 24-7. And so I, I always have given out my personal number to all of my clients to reach at any time, anywhere. 24-7. You heard it there. John, it's been a pleasure and an honor talking to you. Um, it's great insight, and I appreciate your time. Thanks for being a guest. Evan, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And that's going to wrap things up. I want to thank here on Evan Makovsky's business podcast, John Margaritas of John P. Margaritas and Associates. I'm Evan Makovsky, and we will see you on the next episode.